the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. For many, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, something that uh, this story here out of the life and ministry of Elijah that uh, we are uh, fairly acquainted with. But we're going to look here this morning at the Word of the Lord. As you're turning to your place there, um, just again, thank you for praying. As we still, I, there's a couple of folks I failed to mention. Sister Anna today, she needs a touch in her body. And we would like to remember her. And also, I'm glad Sister June Trahan. We're glad you're here this morning, Sister June. But we've been praying for Sister June. She has an upcoming procedure. There's still some uh, days ahead of her. And they still have to get some things mapped out. But uh, there is a uh, heart procedure that they're going to be looking to do. And I'm just asking the church just to continue to lift Sister June up in prayer. Would you stand with us this morning for the reading of the Word of God? 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings 17, and we're going to look here at verse number 1. We're going to do a little bit of reading this morning, maybe a little bit more than I normally do, but I will go through this here uh, as quickly as I can, but uh, we want to here take a look at the Word of God. If you're there with me, won't you say amen this morning? And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. And bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Verse 12, And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. But a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. Here in the events that are transpiring, there are some things that the Lord has, over the course of some days, 
been rolling over in my heart and my mind and I, like you, or many of you, we have read over this and I've read from this story many times. I've preached from this text many times. And it's amazing how the Word of God just continues to reveal things to you. It's alive. It's powerful. And, and reading this, there is a common theme that we are finding. If I may here for a moment, just want to point a few of these things out. Listen carefully. No rain, no dew upon the earth for years, roughly three and a half years to be exact. No more bread, no more flesh, no more brook. He comes to find a widow woman who says, I have no more food, no more oil. And she even declares, I have in essence, no more hope, no more life. This is how it's going to be. Do you notice the theme? No, no more, none, zilch, zip. Somebody said nada. Nothing left. This morning with the help of the Lord, I just want to preach on this thought, and that is the miracle of no. Hallelujah. The miracle of no. Look over at your neighbor and say, what are you out of this morning? Go ahead and ask them. What are you out of this morning? Ask them this. Say, what's the no in your life? What's the no in your situation? Can we pray together today? Father, I thank you for this day you've given. Thank you for every heart and life represented. I thank you today for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for your people. Lord, I pray you would anoint your word today and anoint every heart and every ear in this house. Lord, I pray give us an ear to hear. Help us to understand. Lord, let our hearts be applied to the word of God. Lord, I pray turn over over fallow ground. I pray today, God, let the seed of the Word of God be planted in the fertile soil of our souls. Let it produce and bring forth life. Challenge us today. Anoint my heart, my mind, and lips to preach, to bring you glory. Lord, I thank you for what you'll do. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. The Miracle of no. Hallelujah. Oh, can I say this morning that oftentimes we are predisposed, we are conditioned, especially in the church, that we are to think that God's love for us, that his best work, that his miracle working power, his healing, that all of these things are always tied to our ideas of abundance. Abundance, to our 
ideas as to where there is seemingly all of these things around us that are blooming, that are flowering, that are flourishing. Oh, we know today how to coin all the Christian terminologies that God, he is enough. We love to quote the scripture of our father has a cattle on a thousand hills and I grew up, Brother Roderick, where the old preachers would even say, and he owns all the taters in them hills too. Amen. Oh, we, we know today that he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We know today that Jesus is simply, in a word, if you want to explain him, he's enough. He's always enough. He's always able to sustain and he's always able, amen, to make a way. We know today that when we look at these things, the Word of God is always full of the testimony of the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness in times where it seemed like there was absolutely nothing that could be derived. Oh, where it seemed like all was lost and that there was no life, no sustenance, that there was no hope to be found. I believe this morning with all of my heart and I have preached it and I'll continue to is that God, yes, he is a God of abundance. He truly is a God of enough. He does supply all of our needs. But this morning I would, I believe God would like to challenge the church. I believe God would like to stir our hearts, get somebody's attention this morning that you would say today, preacher, I do agree. I've sang the songs. I've heard the stories. I understand all of that. But what do you do when all around you, it just seems to be nothing. There seems to be no more. There seems to be everything that could dry up has dried up. Every door that used to be open is now closed. Every situation that had offered life is now it seems there's death all around. I know this morning it's not something that we readily testify about because we want everybody to believe that we're always walking in high cotton. We want everybody to always believe oh that God is good and good all the time and is great and wonderful and we associate that. Oh brother Roderick when the blessings are overflowing and when revival is spreading and oh when everybody's happy and, and everybody's got a smile. Oh but can I say this morning the truth of the matter is that there are those of us that may be in the last days, the last weeks or maybe even I would dare say here in this house this morning that just in the last handful of hours you are up against to where there is no nothing where it seems empty 
where everything seems dried up and gone. Oh, but this morning can I tell you and can I remind the church today that in such a place, that in such a state of mind, that if your family's in such a position, if your heart is feeling in such a way, if your mind and emotion is there, then you are a candidate to see the miracle of what no can do in your life. I want to tell somebody this morning that when all you can do is cough dust, when all you got to pull from, you scrape the bottom of the well and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm here to declare to you there is a God in heaven who is abundant, who will supply, and he can offer you the miracle that is tied to no. We love yes. <laughs> we love when God's, oh yes. Matter of fact, most of the church believes at every prayer that God's will, all his purposes are yes. <laughs> but, Brother Roderick, there's miracles that are tied to no. Oh, there is things that you've never seen, never experienced or dreamed before. That before you get to it, there has to be no in operation. There has to be that seemingly we look at no oftentimes as resistance. Now listen, when I say no as a parent, it's perfectly clear to me. It makes perfect sense. Sister Laura, I know why I'm saying no. But to that 12-year-old girl going on 30 sitting over there by her mama, when daddy says no, Brother Roderick, it might as well be brother Andy standing in her way she can't get around she can't push him over oh and dad's the meanest man in town why is there a no why is it this is all have you ever heard the complaint of a child and some of you laugh laughing don't pick on them babies us adults do it too oh we make our bargains and our reasonings oh but this is what we wanted this is all I wanted have you ever talked to God in such a way don't answer I know that you have. God, this is all I really wanted. This is all I... I'm not asking anything too big. I'm not asking anything too great. Why is it no here? Why is the door closed here? Why is it dried up here? Why is it hopeless here? Why is this here? And can I say if us as earthly fathers and mothers know how to love and give good gifts and we know, Brother Marvin, when it's appropriate to say no... Then today, I want to remind somebody who might be disheartened, how much more does your heavenly Father know and see and love? And when there is no, he's got a miracle wrapped up inside of it. Oh, because we serve a God, Brother Ben, who said, I'm working things for you for an expected end. I've got an expected end for you. In other words, I know, K-N-O-W, I know what I'm doing for you. I know what I'm doing in this situation. 
Uh, today I want to highlight some things here in the scripture as to what are some of the miracles that are produced by no. I want you to understand today that when it seems that certain doors are closed, let me even say this. Let's kind of get down where the rubber meets the road to where there are creature comforts, where there are things we are comfortable with. There are places we are comfortable at. There are people we are comfortable with. There are things in our lives that we are familiar with. I liken it to the bird sitting in the nest full of feathers and full of down and full of fluff. And you sit and you snuggle on in. And mama shows up a few times and opens her mouth and feeds baby bird. And oh, if it was up to baby bird and if it was up to you and I, oh, we would just find ourselves comfortable all the time. We do not like it when no shows up to the things that are comfortable to us. I want to let you know is that in the area of our lives here, the mortal sins of Ahab and Jezebel, their wickedness, their idol worship, their killing of the prophets, sin and its judgment had come to their front door and the man of God shows up nearly just out of the blue like Melchizedek did. All we know is Elijah the Tishbite. He shows up, Brother Kenny Morris used to say, as God's meteorologist. He showed up, pointed his skinny finger in Ahab's face and said, there will not be any rain. There will not even be dew in the morning when you wake up. There's coming a drought and and you, my friend, and your wicked wife are the result of it. Until God says so, there will not be a drop, not one single solitary drop that falls from heaven until the Lord gives me word again. And I'll let you know when he says so, when it's going to rain. Can I say this morning, is that in this effort that all of life, all of the communities, all in the realm of the kingdom, they were getting ready to find discomfort. They were getting ready to feel the pain and the squeeze as to where, where water was in abundance, where they were thriving, crops were growing, livestock was doing well. Everybody could run and just get a scoop out of the well and drink it. There was coming a no from heaven. Heaven was going to be shut up. And comfort was going to be challenged. Hear me this morning, church. Hear me this morning. Right now, there are some things maybe going on in your life. Or you look at the world that's around us. And there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable, Brother Brandon. There's a lot of things going on that are personally happening. There are some things as to where there are, there are situations to where it almost feels like, Brother Christian, heaven is shut up. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been in that place where God is doing some things to cause you to be uncomfortable? Where God is doing some things to stir you in a place? Oh, understand. 
hand because I want you to know it was Job who made the statement. He said, making an analogy of the eagle that stirreth up her nest. He said, I would die in my nest. What did that mean? He would have died in his comfort. He would have been content to die right there where he was. I want to let somebody know this morning, you've done thought God was picking on you. You done thought God hated you. But there's some discomfort going on. Benjamin, when I don't understand why there's got to be chemo infusions. When I don't understand why you got to lose your hair. Brother Roderick, when things come against the family, I don't always understand. But there's some things that God says no because he wants you to know the miracle of getting loose from complacency, loose from comfort, and to step into the glory that only heaven can provide. I want to let somebody know there is a miracle in the no. The no of the comforts that surround you. There are folks that feel things shifting and changing when God is moving parts and components of our lives. There are some things, hear me church, hear me some of these young converts. There are some things, Sister Gloria, as you draw closer to him that you will not be comfortable with doing any further. Oh, we don't, we don't hear that much preached anymore, do we? There's going to be some things in our walk with God that he puts his finger on. And he says, this is no longer acceptable. Listen, there's a time. Don't get me wrong. I'll be patient all day long. I'm going to love on you, pastor you, put my arm around you. There's going to be some things that have to grow in you and grow in me. I'm not saying this because I've arrived, but even Brother Roderick, as I get closer to him, he'll come along and say no to that. He'll come along and shuffle the nest over here. He'll come along and make us uncomfortable here. Come on, somebody. It might be where you go where you are who's your friend who you're linking up with what you're putting on what you're watching hear me now the old timers used to preach that way and let me say this is that we must get back to recognizing there's a miracle when God says no to some things in our life and stirs us to a place to say, I'm just not comfortable here. Everything, a vice grip was coming down on all things represented in that kingdom. It reminds me of where the scripture says that everything that can be shaken, it will be shaken. Friends, hear me. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be, never have. And I'll say this, we came through pandemic, we're in inflation, there's all these things. But you would be foolish to think if we've seen the end of trouble. You'd be foolish to think if we've seen the end. I'm just going to tell you right now, let me make something very clear. It does not matter who is in that White House. It does not matter who is calling the shots of whatever. At the end of the day, 
I'm going to tell you is that God's word will be fulfilled. That God is not a liar. That God will fulfill all that he said he's going to do. And let me say this, child of God. We had better learn right now that there are some things that we're used to, comfortable with. We all have pivoted. We've all adjusted. We've all said, well, whew, we made it through the pandemic. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to pivot again. You're have to adjust again. I believe God is wanting to send a no, a miracle of no, even amongst the church because Sister T, it has the capacity to bring a church back to its knees, to bring a church back to revival, to bring a church back to Almighty God. Oh, hear me. He says, I'll close some things up. To get your attention. To get your attention. Listen. One of the miracles of no is this. Is that it will help you to have a heightened ear. Hear what I'm saying this morning. It wasn't until the drought came. That we find verse number 2. You can look at it. There in chapter 17. But sister Sanja. The Bible says. After the declaration, no more rain. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he said, I want you to go and hide yourself to the brook Cherith. Now let me park right here for just a moment. Can I say that when everything is comfy cozy, when everything is all well and all good... It gets very difficult, hear me, to not only move, but to also to hear clearly what God is saying. What God is saying. I want you to know is that God, He will shake some things up in our lives, Brother Hemphill, and He will ask the question, if I may coin it this way, can you hear me now? Come on, Verizon, Brother Christians, made a billion dollars off that slogan. Oh, that old guy with the glasses walking on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can I tell you right now, this morning, you better listen. Because long before Verizon ever did it, the Word of God said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And church, I want to tell you, we not only have to have the no to our comforts to move us out of the place, but but it gets us positioned to where we have an ear to hear what God has to say to our hearts. Hear me. Hear me this morning. Listen to me. You will find that those that are involved in calamity and tragedy, they have a heightened and more keen spiritual awareness than they've ever had before. Why? Because they realize I have no control over what's going on. Can't control what happens on that football field, Noah. Never know when life's going to turn on a dime. I saw this young man's interview. As tears would flow down his face, a tenderness. Knowing he's had a second chance. Knowing that life is precious. Knowing that people are important. It'll change you. 
No will change you. When things are shut down and you're laying in a hospital bed, when they tell you, Sister Gwen, stage four, don't know what we're going to do. When they tell you, Ben, give or take six months, don't know what we're going to do. How many months are we in now? Six. Come on, somebody. Anybody hear what I'm saying? When you don't know, when you look and say, I'm going to tell you, it will put you in a place where you're not worried about what the talking head says on television. You're not worried about the next great personality on Facebook. But when life has you in a no, you want to lock into the prayer closet and say, God, I've got to hear from you. Come on here. When there is one thing taken in our physical body, if there's one who is blind, his hearing is intensified. Brother Thacker sits here, said he was six years old when he lost that left arm. And so all of his, this life, most of his life, been making adjustment. You ever seen the size of that right arm? Brother Christian, these boys can tell you, say he'd take that nub and stick it in the helmet. These football players jerk him around. Somebody told me, Brother Christian, you might have to help me, that he lifted, what was it, 225? Somewhere in there. It was 200 plus, I, I know that, with that right arm. Now he told me, he said, that's why his back and hips are the way it is today. He said, I, he said, I showed out a little bit too much. But what was happening where one place was missing, another area of strength came. I want to tell somebody, oh, I pray to God somebody's hearing this, that when no, no rain, no bread, no flesh, no meal, no cake, no food, no hope, I want to tell you, it'll push you to a place to where it's no to everything else, but I know his voice. I've heard from heaven and I've got a sensitivity to what he's got to say he said get yourself down to the brook Cherith he said hide yourself there and he said I'm going to sustain you a regular well some people grossed out by golden corral but if you like it I mean a regular golden corral he had a buffet in the morning and in the night, ravens would come and bring him bread and bring him meat. And he would eat. And while the no, no rain was crippling a region, God said, I will put you there. I will feed you there. I'll sustain you there. He said, this is where I want you to be. I want to let somebody know that this morning when you're in the place and God says no and he wants to give you an ear, he wants you to hear what he's got to say. He's got plan and purpose. Hear me somebody, just because it seems that heaven shut up and it's not raining like it once was and this ain't happening like it once was and there's no more groceries at the market and you ain't dipping at the well freely. What are we going to do? Let's stop and say, God help me to hear. 
here and God will send you to a place to give and give you ears so that you can hear him clearly. Listen, because God was sending him to a place, he had ear to hear because God wanted to equip him. The miracle of no is not only an ear that you can develop to hear God, but also to know that God is setting you up to equip you for the no. I want you to hear me this morning. God never does anything on accident. Brother Roderick, every heartbreak, every aggravation, every letdown, every time of being overlooked, underappreciated. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? Every time when felt like you was abandoned, nobody cared. In times when it felt like it just you was out there all on your own. God in heaven saying, it looks like there's no everywhere. He said, but I've got place for you. I've got provision for you. I've got some things I'm going to do in your life that nobody else is going to have testimony of. Because he says, I'm going to equip you for the task. Now listen. Elijah was there, he partook of that bread, and he partook of that flesh. And the Bible says he drank of that brook. But Brother Pickens, there came a day that brook dried up. He was equipping and he was energizing because it was imperative and important where his next appointment was. Listen, God told him, he said, I want you to arise and go to Zarephath. He said, and there's going to be a widow woman who sustains thee there. This is what most people don't realize about the significance of Zarephath. It was, it, in the Hebrew, it simply is, the meaning is to smelt or to melt. It was a leading place, a leading city in the, uh, in the iron production of that region throughout the years. Archaeologists have excavated. They were the biggest producer of pottery. They had uncovered some over 20 kilns that were there used to make pottery. As a matter of fact, also some significance was it was the hometown of Jezebel. And Jezebel gave orders because of the influx of Baal worship. They often were creating statues and emblems. And they were setting up their high places. And they had their little tokens and their, and their idols they would have in their homes. And things they'd carry on them to worship. And so they were producing all of those things. But you see, you can't smelt something down without a refining fire. You can't bake pottery unless you're in the furnace. Come on here. And so Zarephath was known as a plate of place of melting. It was known as a place where refining was going to take place. Come on somebody. You're not shouting but I'm preaching this morning. God will give you a no so you can have an ear to hear. He will take you and sustain you and give you energy and equip you for the journey ahead of you because there are refining fires that he's going to work and use to do something significant in your life. Hear me. Hear me. Some would argue and say, well, this looked like it was going to be easy for Elijah. God said, I'm going to sustain you again, this time through a widow woman. 
As a matter of fact, some that would preach social justice would say there's an injustice. What kind of man, what kind of self-respecting man would show up and find a little widow lady and say, hey, I need some water. It's scarce. Hey, by the way, oh, you making cakes? Give me one first. If Brother Jake showed up to your house and we was in that condition, you'd say, what kind of preacher? Ain't no good. Kick him out of the church. His mama didn't raise him right. Well, who does he think he is? Ask for a drink of water. Get my last cake. Let me tell you something. This was not easy. I want you to understand is that Elijah's life is on the line from Cherith to Zarephath was every bit of a hundred mile journey. Out in the open, exposed. But God, listen, God is bringing a man who's experienced the nose. And he's got a woman in Zarephath who's experienced the nose. And he's bringing two lives together that are going to make a connection. And a miracle is going to transpire. God is going to do something supernatural. I want to tell somebody this morning is that in the places where it seems as if there's nothing that it's going to work. Nothing is making sense. Brother Jacob, I'll have an ear to hear him, but it doesn't make sense what God is asking. It doesn't make sense what's going on. I want to say, you walk on in what God has called you, told you to do. You stay true to that, and you arrive where he has destined you to be because your obedience is going to provide the miraculous for someone else that he's got tied to you he's got tied to you hear me brother Danny sister Carolyn if you'd come the word of God says that as she's there I want you to know is that in the know God gives us ear he will equip and he will engage us in the supernatural in the miraculous Brother Christian, I can, all I can say is this. There are some things, sir, that you will never know about God until you step into some unknown parameters. And I'm not just picking on Brother Christian. That's for everybody in this house, including the preacher. Until we're willing to step into some unknowns. And when we look up and all we can say is, I'm just doing my best to follow the Lord. I've got an ear. I'm willing to step away from what's comfortable. I will go to the place that he will equip. You ever been at a place for a little while and sometimes you look around and say, God, why exactly do you have me here? Why exactly am I in this place? Why exactly is this going on? Why exactly am I serving in this capacity? Why exactly does it feel this way and seem this way? And then the brook dries up and everybody shows up and says, See, I told you it wasn't in God's will. I told you you wasn't going to make it there, but God says, no, no, listen, I was equipping you. I put some things in you because there's journey. You've got to get down where things are refined. Get down there. And the Bible says that he met her there, and the two of them were getting ready to have a moment where there would be an engagement of the miraculous. You see, God does all things on purpose, and he does all things for you and I, our benefit. 
And he's wanting to engage you, incorporate you in some things that you've not yet experienced or seen. That woman, as she was there, I can see as Elijah is making his way to the gate, he takes a look and God prompts his heart, says, that's her. Ma'am, could you get me a little something to drink? What, here's what's interesting, and here's why I say it was the two of them, is because, Sister Sanja, the Bible says God spoke to Elijah to get there, and it also says in the Word, he said, for I have commanded a widow to sustain thee there. So not only when he saw her, she saw him. It's like Abraham and Isaac, while they're walking up one side of the mountain, and God and Isaac says, Father, I see the wood. I see everything for the fire. I see the knife, but where's the sacrifice? And all Abraham could say is, God will provide. And as the preachers used to say, while they was going up one side, Sister Karen, God had that old ram going up the other side. Come on. They couldn't see one another, but they met at the top of the mountain. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't see how, when, or where right now. But God says, I'm going to use someone, something to engage you into something that you've yet to experience. This preacher right here can testify. Brother Roderick, where my life has been completely changed by what I thought at a moment was a chance encounter. Where I bumped into somebody by coincidence. And then God used that connection, that engagement for His divine providence to be at work. This is why it's important to have an ear. This is why it's important that while you're in certain places, you get equipped and you draw. You may not understand it all, but God's then going to say, all right, now it's time. And while he has you moving, he's got someone else moving. She said, all I've got, I've just got a little bit of meal. I've got a little bit of oil. She shared with the man of God the nose. No meal, no oil. No future. We're going to eat this and die. He says, tell you what, give to me first. And we know as the story says, Brother Chris, that as she obeyed the Lord, she went back and that mill barrel, it never emptied during the whole famine. That oil never emptied during the whole famine. Never ran dry. But the end of the story didn't happen there. As you read down, it says that the son of the woman of the house he died he died the Bible says that she goes to the man of God and she says did you come here to judge me for my sins I'm paraphrasing but did you come as this punishment for what I've done the Word of God says and I know I'm running out of time but the Word of God says that Elijah went in and he stretched himself over that boy he breathed into him. The word of God says that that boy came up and he got, got him up and he introduced him back to his mother. You see, 
the miracle that's tied to know is you think right now, this is the area of miracle. Sister Haley, all she could see was no meal, no oil, no future. She didn't realize that was miraculous in and of itself, but it was going to go deeper than that. It was Sister T going to impact her family. I'm not for sure this morning what knows you're experiencing. I don't know what's seemingly shut up in the heavens, it seems. But I want to let somebody know and understand that there are some things that God will close off that He will shut up because He wants you to start to move in a different direction. And so what no does, it moves us past comfort to where we have an ear to hear. He said, go down to the brook Cherith. There he divinely equipped for the journey ahead. And he engaged two people in a miracle that would change their lives forever. Brother Aaron, the word of God says she stood and after her son came out of that room alive, she said, now I know. You didn't catch that. The miracle of no will get you to a point, Brother Hemp Hill, to where you will stand and say, Now I know. Now I know. Can we just this morning lift our hands all over this house? Would you right now just begin to worship? Come on, church. I want somebody to dare to worship God for the nose. I want somebody who would dare worship God right now when it seems heaven is closed up, when all seems dry, when it seems hard, when it seems difficult. I want somebody who will worship and who will say, I may not understand it all, but I've gotten an ear to hear. All I know I'm trying to walk in the direction of the Lord. There's somebody here that will, although heaven's been shut up, God's equipping you. He's been putting some things in you. You've been drinking from the brook. Oh, and God's saying, I'm preparing you. There's a refining process. There's a miracle tied to the no. Somebody this morning, somebody this morning needs to obey God. Because your obedience in the no is going to engage you in the miraculous. Your obedience in the no is going to open the door for not only you, but somebody else, their life to be sustained. For somebody else, that in the no, they'll be able to say, I know that God is real. I know that God is faithful. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Lord, when I don't know, Lord, when I don't know, I have some that's responding right now. I'm going to ask you, is there, some, is there others here? You'd say, Pastor, I may not know all things, but there are some no's, but I believe that God's got a miracle in the no. I believe this morning God wants me to have an ear to hear. I believe that God's pushing me out of some comfort zones. I believe 
that God is moving me. If that's us, why don't we come find ourselves a place in these altars this morning, church? Why don't you step out? Why don't we agree together this morning and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm going to thank you for the no. I'm going to thank you, Lord. Oh, for pushing me. Every move that I make, every tear that I cry, He knows my name. I'm overwhelmed by the pain.